Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Chapter 4 of 1 Samuel. You know, speaking of the cross, but I was doing this, I, I have to tell you, I started thinking back to the old vampire movies. You know, the old Dracula movies, and he was coming to attack, you know, and so what'd they do? They get the cross and they hold it up. Oh, ah! You know? As if there was some power in this little icon. May seem silly to us, but guess what? Do you know that there are people in churches today that, and I don't mean to be offensive here, but they hold beads and rub their beads while they're praying and they say certain words and they believe that God's going to work because of those beads and because of those repetitive words. Or they have icons and that brings them closer to God. And again, I'm not saying any of those things are even wrong necessarily. But really, you have to have an icon or you have to rub beads to be closer to God. They're not God. Now, dare I say that we can even worship the Bible rather than the person that the Bible teaches us about? We need to be careful. Now, I say that knowing that you know me well enough to know that I place a higher value on the Bible probably than anybody else that you know. I love the Word of God, but it's the Word of God It's the written word of God to us. The Bible, it says it has power, but the power is not, you can't hold the Bible up just like you can't hold that cross up, you know, and and then there's power going out. There's power when it's what? Spoken, and people hear the word of God, and it leads them to a relationship with the God of the Bible, the person of God. And in fact, the one God in three persons. Okay, so now that I've offended all the Catholics and Greek Orthodox, let me get to us as well. What about those charlatans that we often see on TV selling their prayer hankies? And I use this to wipe my sweat when I'm preaching. And God's anointed that hanky. And all you've got to do is send 1995. And God will work in your life. I look at those people and I say, they're no different than the men of Israel were that we just read about. If they really believe even that that's the case. You see, they're treating God like he were some genie in a box. And in this case, the box was the ark. That you could just rub it and then God would just do what you want him to do. Now, we've spoken overall as a church body, but what about us as individuals? Do we sometimes treat God like that? Do we sometimes treat Him as though He should grant our three wishes? And then when it doesn't happen, we say to Him, well, God, why didn't You help me? Why didn't You do what I told You to do when I told You to do it? Ever had that conversation? I think if we're honest with ourselves, we'll admit that sometimes we do that. God is a person, and we must worship the person of God. Not things that represent God, but the person of God. We don't want to make the same mistake that these people did. When we face our battles, we want to inquire of the Lord. We want to seek His face. 
it's good to get godly counsel from other people, but the Lord wants to have a relationship with you. You know, so many times when I'm counseling people and, and I try to just biblically give them what, what I can, but ultimately, and I know many of you will attest to this, I tell you, look, you got to go to the Lord and you got to get your answer from Him. You can take any of the counsel that I give you, but you go to the Lord. He wants a relationship with you. Your relationship with Him is just as precious and as close as mine is. And He wants to speak to you and have that relationship with you. You know, also sometimes, just like these guys, we might look outwardly spiritual in what we're doing. You know, we're going to church all the time. We're even serving in ministries. We're, we're paying our tithes. But inwardly, we might be in rebellion against God. Maybe even as much as Eli's sons were. And then we still expect Him to bless us. Again, when I'm counseling people in the office, they tell me, I pray all the time, but I, I, I'm not getting any help from God. I, I don't know what's wrong. Then I ask a few questions and find out that they're basically living in sin. They hardly ever read their Bible. They don't spend any time in prayer other than asking for something for themselves. The lesson for us here is that God is not in a box. And He can't be and He won't be treated like some genie who will just grant whatever wishes that we have when we bring the box out. In actuality, God's a majestic, almighty king who deserves our worship and our honor and our reverence. And you know what else he deserves? He deserves to be obeyed. Now there's another great tragedy here and that's when we do this just like they did here. We can misrepresent God. You see, the Philistines, they kind of had the same idea as the men of Israel did, didn't they? Uh-oh, here comes the box. And it scared them. But guess what? They found out that the Israelites were really misrepresenting God. That, you know, well, wait a minute. God isn't this box. Or if He is, you know, maybe He was sleeping in the box. Who knows? Um, but He didn't do what they thought He would do. So we don't want to give people a false impression of God by the way we treat God as well. Well, in verse 11, we see that God fulfills His judgment on the house of Eli. And if you go to Galatians 6, 7 through 9, as I said, this whole period of time that was in spiritual and moral decay, and then God pronounces judgment on the house of Eli, and Paul describes basically what happened here. In verse 7 of Galatians 6, he says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. God will eventually pronounce judgment. Well, there's more to the story, so let's read on. Verse 12 of 1 Samuel 4. Now a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes torn and dust on his head. Again, that's a sign of mourning. When he came, behold, Eli was sitting on his seat by the road, eagerly watching, because his heart was trembling for the ark of God. So the man came to tell it in the city, and all the city cried out. 
Verse 14, when Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, What does the noise of this commotion mean? Then the man came hurriedly and told Eli. Verse 15, now Eli was 98 years old and his eyes were set so that he could not see. The man said to Eli, I am the one who came from the battle line. Indeed, I escaped from the battle line today. And he, meaning Eli, said, How did things go, my son? Verse 17, Then the one who brought the news replied, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has also been a great slaughter among the people. And your two sons also, Kophni and Pinechas, are dead. And the ark of God has been taken. Verse 18, when he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell off the seat backward beside the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died, for he was old and heavy. Thus he judged Israel for forty years. Now I want you to note here that Eli did not fall at the mention of his sons being killed. I, I, I think that he kind of expected it, because he knew the judgment of God was going to fall, and it would be very likely that that could happen in this situation. But what caused his reaction was the mention of the ark being lost. Now his daughter-in-law, verse 19, Pinika's wife, was pregnant and about to give birth. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was taken and that her father-in-law and her husband had died, she kneeled down and gave birth, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the woman who stood by her said to her, Do not be afraid, for you have given birth to a son. But she did not answer or pay attention. And she called the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken and because of her father-in-law and her husband. Verse 22, she said, The glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God was taken. Now think about it. This woman who is actually dying in childbirth and she cannot be comforted even in the fact that her son would live. And in the past three chapters, Pastor Michael has made very evident to us all how important that was to a Jewish wife. But she was so overwhelmed, not only by God's judgment on her husband and her father-in-law, but mostly that the ark was taken. And so she couldn't even pay attention to the fact that she was having a son. She did name the son Ichabod, which literally means no glory, since the Ark of the Covenant represented God's glory to these people. And she said the glory then has departed. It's gone. There is no glory anymore. And you think about that. Isn't it sad to think that though the Ark accompanied God's glory and, and, and the works of God, it was there many times. And we can see that. And we can see it being an important symbol. But the fact is that the Hebrews were placing their faith in that object rather than the person, even all the way to the end of this story. Isn't that a sad and tragic thing? For them, since the ark was gone, it was as though God had left them completely, as though he could only be with them when the ark was present. You know, when I think about that, I think that's a small view of God, isn't it? Yes, they, they saw the glory of God, you know, at, at times. But God never said that he wouldn't be with them just because he wasn't in the ark. 
And in fact, there is nowhere you can go. The Bible says that God's not there. Neither heights nor depths. God will be there. The glory of God in that particular case may have departed, but God hadn't. Yahweh for them was always just a prayer away. You see, whenever the people would repent of their sins and turn back to the Lord, the Lord would bless again. Part of the covenant. His presence would come and He would answer their prayer. You guys all know the verse in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, 14 and 15. It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. He spoke that directly to the children of Israel. If in this case, instead of after the first battle, getting defeated, they wouldn't have thought of this dumb idea of just we'll just bring the ark out and assume we're going to win because we have the ark. What if they would have got on their knees before God and repented of their sin, repented for the leadership and the priesthood, repented for not trusting God originally to go and hear from Him, go to the prophet of God, Eli or Samuel, and ask God what to do? What if they would have done that at that time? God says, I'll forgive your sin. I'll heal your land. Psalm 81, verses 13 and 14 says this, If my people would but listen to me, if Israel would follow my ways, how quickly would I subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes? I don't know about you, but that looks like a promise to me. How quickly would I subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes? You know, you think about how tragic this is. Maybe 40,000 lives would have been saved had they done that. We need to remember that same thing. You know, when we're wondering, God, you know, it doesn't seem like you're doing anything in my life right now. Well, we need to ask ourselves a question. The first question that we should ask is, Lord, is there some sin in my life that I need to repent of? You know, when people come up for prayer, I know sometimes it may be hard for them to hear, but they're, they're praying for something. I've been praying for this and praying for this, and I sometimes ask them, well, has God you know, revealed anything in your life that you really need to repent of? That's hard to hear, but you know what? Sometimes your prayer won't be answered because of that sin. The second question is, am I placing my trust in something other than the Lord Himself? You know, when you come and you have a prayer and it's specific, and it's good, you want to pray specifically for things that you think are what you need. So you come and you say, God, I need a job and I need it tomorrow. Please. I I need a job. I need to provide for my family. Now that's a good prayer and there's nothing wrong with that. But we also have to think of, why are we praying that? Well, I need the job because I have to provide for my family. That's the only way I can provide. And generally that's the way God works. But what if God doesn't want you to get the job tomorrow? What if He wants you to wait for next week? And He wants you to say, but God, if I don't get that job tomorrow, you could provide for me in any way, shape, or form that you want to. 
I want to place my trust not in the job that I'm asking you to provide, but I want to place my trust in you. I can't tell you how many times my young family had to hear that prayer from me. God, we don't have any food in the house tonight. Now I know we can go a day without eating and I'm okay with that, but I sure would like to see my kids get fed. And I can tell you there's been at least two or three times when after that prayer, a knock on the door came and somebody with groceries that had no clue, had no idea of what I was going through. God can provide in ways we don't know of, but it's not our trusting in other people. It's not our trusting in our job. It's not our trusting in chariots or horses. It's our trusting in the person of God. One of the other things that we do is sometimes we cling on to other people or even places where God has worked as if that is our connection to God. You know, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, I love to go pray in a chapel, but, you know, because I've prayed there before and, you know, when I pray there I feel closer to God. And I get that. That's okay. You know, um, I don't know if you have to necessarily light 25 candles or not, but if it makes you feel better, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But are you placing your trust in that God's going to answer because I'm there? I'll give you an illustration. When I was at Calvary Chapel and I was the vice principal in charge of discipline, one of the most fun jobs ever, because I got to use the paddle. It was really fun. Um, but one of the tougher things I had to do was I had to make decisions at times and when it was time for a young person to exit Calvary Chapel High School and move on. And I, I had dozens of conversations with parents who um, even sometimes lied on their application form and said that their son or daughter really wanted to go to Calvary Chapel High School. When I asked the kid, they go, no, my parents are making me. <laughs> and so it would come that time after other steps of discipline that we would say, you know, they really have to go. And I can't tell how many parents would sit there and go, but, but if he leaves here, then how is he going to have a relationship with God? What's going to happen to him? And... and you know, he's got to go out there in that big, bad, cruel world and I'm afraid his relationship with God will be destroyed. And I'd have to ask him, but God doesn't live just here at Calvary Chapel. You know what? God actually is at the public school. They don't want him there, but he's there. You know, your son or daughter's relationship to God is not connected to Calvary Chapel or Calvary Chapel High School, or Living Truth, or any one place, or any other person. It's a personal relationship with a living God. I think the lessons are pretty clear for us. We want to make sure that we treat God as the three-in-one person that He is. Isaiah 9.6 puts it this way. It says he will be called Wonderful Counselor, that's God the Holy Spirit, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, God the Father, and Prince of Peace, Jesus, God the Son. That is the God we worship. Let's not put him in a box. Let's not connect him to a single place or person. Let's treat God as the Almighty King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for your word. And, you know, just as I said earlier, every sentence of this Bible, Lord, we get to know more and more about you. 
and the person that you are, the God of three and one, as we even sang earlier, Lord. It's a, it's a mystery that we don't totally comprehend, but that's okay. We know it's true. And we know, Lord, that you love us, that you died for us on the cross to give us eternal life, a life that we get to spend with you who loves us so dearly. Lord, would you help us never to take that for granted? Lord, would you help us never to think of you as the genie in the box? Would you remind us daily that the reason we can receive love from you is because you are a person. How could we receive love from an object? That love exists only because of the personhood that you are. And Lord, I pray for those that maybe as they heard this message tonight, realize that maybe their relationship needs to be boosted. Maybe they have thought of you more of, as an impersonal God. That they haven't seen you working the way they thought you would and, and they didn't understand, but tonight the light bulb has been turned on and they realize that maybe they've been treating you as the genie. Lord, maybe that they've even been in rebellion and been disobedient and they still expected you to work in their life. But Lord, you are such a loving and forgiving God. And just as you said, that when we get on our knees before you and we pray and we ask forgiveness, you said in 1 John that you forgive us. And not only do you forgive us, Lord, but you cleanse us of the sin that we have been involved in. What an unbelievable thing, Lord. So we thank you so much for that. And Lord, tonight, maybe there's a person in here that this is the first time they've really thought of you as a true and living person. And maybe they've been committed to a thought or an idea of God or some representation of God, but they have never really committed their life and surrendered their life to you and accepted you, Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior. And I pray right now for that person, Lord, that you'd be speaking to their heart. And if that's you tonight, and you realize, I do not have a personal relationship with this God that you've been speaking about, but I want to, then I would just ask that you would just pray this prayer with me. Lord, I believe that you are a living and eternal God in three persons. And Lord, I see that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And Lord, I want you to be my God and my Savior. And so I'm asking you now, Lord, to come into my life. I'm receiving you, Lord, as God and Savior. And Lord, I want to live in this relationship that I've heard about tonight. So Lord, I accept you, Jesus Christ, as my Savior and Lord. And for those of you, again, that may need to make a renewed commitment tonight, I pray that you would do that as well. Just, just tell the Lord what's on your heart. He already knows it before you speak it. If you need to repent of your sin, just do it right now. Don't wait. Get right with the Lord right now. 
God, again, I thank you for each person that's here, for the fact that they are so committed to hearing your word so that they can get to know you better and worship you, the true and the living God. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org. Now, this is not the end of the story because the temple of uh, the uh, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God, will end up in the Temple of Dagon. But uh, Dagon still stands no chance against the God of the Bible. And uh, this is not how the story ends. But this is a this is a a, a fearful uh, season in the life of the nation as they experience really the judgment of God. And uh, it's a sobering reminder that God does discipline even the people he calls the apple of his eye. He doesn't always let them experience victory, especially when they're not doing the right thing and following him. And, you know, as we look at 1 Samuel, we can see that the religious leadership was corrupt. The, uh, The people were doing, you know, running to and fro, doing everyone what was right in his own eyes. And, and though Eli judged the nation and was in many ways a godly man, yet uh, his children um, were not good characters at all. And the nation um, experienced a major setback. Sometimes a major setback primes the pump for a comeback. But in this particular chapter, it ends with the glory departing, a very sad scene in the nation of Israel. You can parallel it to when Jesus left the temple courts and proclaim the house of God desolate. And we can see also some of these images in the book of Ezekiel. Oh, how we, how we need God's presence. Oh, how we need his abiding uh, grace in our lives, in the church, in our nation. And we pray that, uh, Lord, as we close this program from 1 Samuel chapter 4, that you'll have mercy on us as the church, as the, the United States of America and all around the world, Lord. We need your mercy and we need your grace. We just want to pray over our country. We pray over the church in the country. We pray that you would awaken us, Lord. We pray that we would uh, do the works that please you. We pray that we would glorify you in our worship. We pray that we proclaim the good news of the, the glad tidings of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for the church in America. And we just ask that you'll strengthen each of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I want to thank you for listening to, to Living Truth Radio. Pastor Chris Van Hook was our teacher today. We call him the coach, and he actually is on part of our Bible Answer Show team that uh, we do Monday through Friday. And we could use your help with uh, financial support. So if you can help us out, go to livingtruthradio.org and uh, click on the Donate tab, and you can help us out. Please keep us in prayer. Tell a friend about Living Truth Radio, and we'll catch you next time on the program. God bless you.